You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So we're in the middle of this series called Playlist, and you just saw the little intro video for it. And so what is this series all about? If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you probably got an idea of what we're doing. But if you've not been here, if this has been your first time in this series, what we're doing is we're taking popular music, and we're kind of taking a look at it sort of, sort of in a way that Jesus did the same thing, and he would tell stories called parables, and they would be culturally relevant. So the people that were hearing these stories, they understood what Jesus was talking about, and then he would take this story and make some kind of spiritual parable parallel or truth from the story. And so we're doing the same thing with some popular songs where we're pulling out the lyrics, kind of like a story, kind of like a parable, culturally relevant, and we're taking a look at some spiritual truths from these songs. I've been really excited for this series, and over the last couple of weeks, it's been really great to hear some of these songs that we've been doing and sharing some of the lyrics for you. And so we're going to continue that series this week. And this one is, I'm really excited for this message because this is something that I can really relate to and I hope this is something that you can connect to as well because this is for those of us who maybe feel less than or maybe not smart enough or maybe that we don't look good enough or maybe you just feel physically insecure, maybe even unattractive. And I think if we were to ask everyone in here, if you could change something about your physical appearance, if you could just change something, you probably right right away thought of what that one thing was, right? We can all think of something that we would like to change about ourselves, something that we don't find attractive or something that kind of bothers about bothers us about the way that we look. And, and the interesting thing is, um, and I won't make everyone raise their hand on that one. Some of you are like elbowing, like the person like, yeah, yeah that's you. You feel that way. Um, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't elbow anyone. You'll, you'll go to hell. Um, so uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so, you know, when they survey, um, actually women, 91% of women will actually admit to feeling unhappy with something about their body, the, the way they, they perceive themselves. And the interesting thing is that the percentage for men is lower, but I think it's just because guys are just better at lying to themselves, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Guys are just like, yeah, what's up? You know, no, just we, we, all, we all can feel that way. And, and we most all feel like we wish that we could change something about the way that we look. Now, I remember when I was a young man, probably going into the sixth grade, probably that summer between the fifth and sixth grade, or as I like to reference it, when all innocence died. Um, you know, for me, I was, you know, you're, you're kind of coming to age, you start kind of noticing things about yourself, and you, you know, as a young man or young woman, you can start to feel a little insecure about yourself, but the great thing is about life is sometimes people are really kind in helping you out on that journey, are they not? Maybe you've experienced this before. And I remember I was at a um, party, a church party nonetheless, and we were all at the pool, we were swimming together, it was an evening, I remember it so vividly, and I remember just playing in the pool, minding our business, me and a couple of the other, you know, guys my age, and this girl comes over to me, and I don't know what her problem was, but she was all up in my face. And I remember being down the pool, looking up to her, and she starts telling me what a scrawny little stick of a wimp that I am. And that I am just, I, you know, I'm nothing, and I'm scrawny, look how tiny you are. And then she begins to throw her foot in my face. Go ahead, try to pull me in the swimming pool right now. I bet you can't do it. You can't pull me in the swimming pool. Come on, try to do it. And I'm just thinking, like, what is going on? I'm just, like, feeling the humiliation at this point, right? And I was just so embarrassed, and it was the first time I 
realize I'm like, well, I guess I am kind of one of the smaller guys in the pool. But have you ever had that happen where someone like points out to you, you know, and I'm still in counseling today. I send her the invoices or whatever for that moment. I won't mention her name. It was Joy. And anyway, so it was just something, I'm sorry if that offends you, Joy, but you deserve it. Some of you know her laughing really hard right now. But that's just something that I went through. And you know what happened around that time is it just happened over and over again, right? People can just be so cruel in pointing out things that just aren't so great about your physical features, right? I mean, they're just, I remember one time, and, and, you, and it's like, you can forget everything. And what's the deal? You're trying to study for a test, and you have to like cram to try to remember those things. But what is it about it when someone points something out, you never forget it the rest of your life, right? And we could kind of joke about it now, but sometimes when you're going through those things, it's painful. Like, I remember one time I was in college, you know, wearing shorts, and this guy's like, dude, you've cadaver legs. I'm like, what are cadaver legs? He's like, I've seen people who are dead with more color than you. I'm like, come on now, man. That's hurtful, right? That's not, I mean, you kind of laugh about it now, but you know, that was like a pretty painful thing. You never forget those things, but just along the way, you just figure out some things and you start to have physical insecurities and you're like, man, what is, what is going on? Like, why, God, why did you make me this way? I just, I, you know, I wish I could change some of these things. And I don't know if you can identify with that at all. Or some of you guys who, you know, you don't answer that. You're like, I'm, I'm completely fine. I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. But today we're going to be doing the song called Scars to Your Beautiful. And this is by Elisa Cara. And the interesting thing about this song is that she wrote this song um, and she was uh, growing up, her mother was a hairstylist. And so she was around fashion, around, you know, stylish people. Her mom's styling people's hair all the time. But when she was growing up, she had really fizzy hair. Like it was really frizzy. Like it wasn't, she was trying to straighten it all the time. So she would use a hair straightener and try to straighten her hair to the point where she damaged the hair so bad that her hair actually just started falling out in large chunks. And it was something that she was really self-conscious about. She was like, man, you know, her hair is falling out. She was trying to hide it. And so she actually penned the song. She wrote this song going through that moment. And you know, the thing that's amazing as she wrote this song is that she made a commitment that she, anytime she performed the song publicly, she would do it without makeup on. Because she was like, I can't sing a song about how we're beautiful if I'm doing that, you know, all made up with makeup. And so that's a pretty big deal in our culture today, let alone as a pop star, to go on stage, go on a video with zero makeup on just as you are, bearing it all in front of everyone. I mean, some of you are mortified just the thought about going in public like that. But can you imagine going in front of a stage, in front of thousands of people performing this song, talking about how we're all beautiful? And so I want to share with you some of the lyrics of these songs, and, and, and I've, we're going to read through these, and I, I kind of tweak these a little bit. I changed the she to a we, and the interesting thing is, I, I, so I changed them a little bit, and she wrote these to a lady, but I think this is something that all of us, even guys, we could admit to that we identify with. We just want to be beautiful. We go unnoticed. We know no limits. We crave attention. We praise an image. We pray to be sculpted by the sculptor. Oh, we don't see the light that's shining deeper than eyes can find it. Maybe we have made ourselves blind, so we try to cover up our pain and our cut our woes away. Because cover girls don't cry after their face is made. So you can even just hear it in the lyrics that there, there's something beyond just, yes, this physical beauty. And yes, I, I want to be attractive. I want people to see me as something that maybe is special. I want to be noticed not for my defects, but I want to be noticed for the things that maybe are great. And she even goes here that maybe something deeper than the eyes can find. 
that it's not just even about what's on the outside, but many times it's about what is in the inside. And see, we might think that we're alone in this, and maybe you felt like me, and maybe somewhere along the line you've dealt with that, or maybe it's not something that you've thought about for a very long time. But see, here's what we've got to understand. No matter what we feel about ourselves, not a matter, it doesn't matter the way other people see us. It doesn't matter like what we think, what other people say. Here's what you've got to get today, that with Christ, you are God's masterpiece. That with Christ, you are God's masterpiece. So it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself or your self-perception or what other people have done to you. But with Christ, you are God's masterpiece. Take a look at what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And here we go. Here's where it says it, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Did you know that you are God's masterpiece? And maybe it's not something physical that you have been down on yourself about, but whatever that is, whatever that fill in the blank that you wish that you could change about yourself, when you begin to understand the way that God sees you, it begins to change your self-image, that you are God's masterpiece, that he made you. And it wasn't just something that, I love that God uses this word masterpiece in the scripture. It was like, you were God's like decent work, like you were okay, right? Aren't you, aren't you glad that you were, you were just, you, you know, you were, you were God's average art. You know, you know it's just like, you are God's pity art. No, 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 you are God's masterpiece. You, you are special, that Christ makes us new, that the old is gone. And here's, here's what I love here in this verse that you don't want to miss too. It's underlined there at the end is that we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. See, it's not by the good works that we do that Jesus saved us, but that Jesus saved us for the good works that he has for us to do. And so when you see yourself as God's masterpiece, as you see yourself as something that God made special, it begins to change your perception the way you see yourself and you understand that God made you, not just because you're special within itself, but he made you special because there's something that he has for you to do. That there are good works that God created you to do. That God doesn't make junk that you are his masterpiece. The interesting thing is, is if you would look at this word masterpiece, the original translation, the word that it came from is poema. And so it's where we actually get our word poem. And it actually means a beautiful poem, or it means a perfect workmanship, or it means a tapestry, like that beautiful artwork that they hang and display for everyone to see. So you have to understand this, that you are God's poetic statement. I remember when I was young having to write poems in school, and it's not something that came natural to me. And then they teach you different types of poetry that you have to write, and they taught us something called a haiku. Does anyone remember ever having to learn how to write a haiku, and you had to have a certain number of phrases in each line? And I remember how difficult it was to actually make it come out like something that was poetic. I can't imagine reading like middle school poetry from Brian. Actually, I wish that was available, because I'm sure it would be amazing to read now um, middle school poetry by Brian. It'd be a top seller on Amazon for sure. But, you know, thinking about how difficult it is and how much of a gift it is to be able to even write something that's poetic and beautiful, or even how difficult it is to be able to create a beautiful work of art like a tapestry, that it's something that requires skill, it's something that requires effort. And so when I think about that we are God's poem, that we are his perfect workmanship, that we are his tapestry, you've got to begin to understand that God is the artist, 
that you are the art, that God is the painter and that you are the canvas, that God is the sculptor and you are the clay and you are God's crowning achievement. You are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And some of you are like, that's great, Brian. I hear that, but you know what? I need thinner legs. I need slimmer hips. I need whiter teeth, fuller hair, bigger muscles. I need to be smarter. I need to be a better athlete. I need to be funnier. And see, if you were to go through those images and have that low self-esteem and you were to sit down with a counselor, what would they tell you? What would someone tell you that you could, they would say, Brian, you need better self-esteem, right? You need to work. You have such low self-esteem. You just need to work and have a better image of yourself. And maybe for you, it's low self-esteem and maybe it's not the physical thing. Maybe it's not a big deal for you at all, but whatever that is in your life where you feel less than, you say you need, you need some more self-esteem. But see, the thing is, we don't just need self-esteem. We need Christ-centered esteem. And see, this is a big difference because self-esteem is just simply the way I see myself. Self-esteem is simply stepping up to the mirror and me just having that moment, right? Hey, Brian, you're awesome. And you're worth it, right? Give him a tap. That's not what it's about. See, it's great if you've got some great self-esteem. Awesome. But you've got to have more than that. You've got to have Christ-centered esteem. And you've got to begin to see yourself that when you go to the mirror, it's not even just the way that you see yourself, but you've got to see yourself the way that Jesus sees you. You gotta see yourself the way that Christ sees you. You gotta always be see yourself the way that God made you as his masterpiece. See, many times when we face some kind of struggle like this and we begin to go through something and we have that, that image or something of ourselves that is warped that we just think that isn't right, that we wish that we could change. And what we believe about ourselves on the outside many times, if not every time, begins to affect us on the inside and vice versa. The way we feel about ourselves on the inside, the way that we perceive ourselves, many times that affects us even outwardly and it begins to manifest itself. Working in student ministry, for a decade and a half, I've, I've worked with a lot of teenagers up close, and this is something that I've seen in their life, something that I've experienced, but I, I've seen people who've been through very difficult times, and there's a, a specific girl that I, I got to come alongside, and, and she just went through so much abuse. She was physically abused, she was betrayed in, in so many just terrible ways, just absolutely awful to think of the ways that she was violated and just so hard to come alongside someone like that and love them through that. But because of the abuse that she experienced, it began to affect her on the inside and the way that she viewed herself to the point where it began to affect her outwardly. And she stopped taking care of herself and didn't care about her appearance and just was always completely covered from head to toe because she just always felt ashamed. And it wasn't even just something that she had done to herself. It was because of the betrayal that happened to her that it began to affect the way that she lived her life, not even just physically, but the way that she interacted with people and the way that she always withdrew and couldn't put herself out and have healthy relationships because it was just always so difficult for her because of the way that she felt about herself because of the way she had been betrayed and the way that she'd been hurt. And see, that would be a sad story if that's where it ended, but that's not where it ends. See, because she came to know Jesus and I'm so thankful that I was be able to be a part of her life and point her towards Christ. And slowly and surely, if you were to meet her now, you would have no idea that was her story because she has changed so much and not just in the outward. Yes, that's great that she changed outwardly, but that Christ began to do a work inside of her once she began to recognize that's not her identity. That's not the plan that God had for her, but that God had something else for her and that she was God's masterpiece and began to take that understanding that God made her for more, made her on purpose for a purpose purpose, and it began to slowly 
walk through that healing process and change everything because she said yes to that relationship with Jesus and allowing God in her life and begin to change her and the Christ inside of her beginning to heal her. And so I don't know if that's your story today. Maybe you would sit here today and you say, maybe at some point you had your trust betrayed. Maybe like this girl and, this, and so many other people that I have worked with, even guys who have been, their trust has been betrayed. Maybe someone did something to you physically, someone that you looked up to, someone that you admired. Maybe it wasn't physically, but maybe it was verbally. Maybe someone betrayed you and just verbally abused you in such a way that you felt that you had no worth, that you felt that you had no value. You felt that you couldn't live up to anything because you really began to believe it, even though you knew it wasn't true. Even though you knew those words were a lie, you begin to internalize them and slowly they just begin to change your heart and your self-image in the way that you saw yourself. Maybe someone abused you emotionally. I don't know what it is, but I want you to hear me say today from the bottom of my heart that if you went through abuse in any form, in any way, at any stage of your life, that is never God's plan for your life. God never planned for you to go through something like that and to have your trust betrayed. Matter of fact, you know the only thing that the Bible says that God counts? You know what he's keeping track of? That he's keeping track of every single tear. And so that he sees the hurt that we have been through. That God cares about it. That he's a compassionate God. And he's not like, oh, well, you just have to deal with it. But that God created you as his masterpiece and that there is healing. That if you've gone through that, that if you've had your trust betrayed in some way, there is healing. And I know it can be painful to go there. Sometimes it's just easy to just let that part of our life just, just die and just go away and try to forget about it. But if we're honest with ourselves, it comes and manifests its way in so many ways in our life, in the way that we see ourselves, in our relationships, in our interactions with people. And so I want to encourage you today that that is you. I want you to hear me say that I am sorry. And that it was never God's plan for you to go through something like that. But that God loves you and that he is created you and that he has made you on purpose for a purpose and that there is healing. Hear me say it today that there is hope. If you've gone through something, there is healing in Jesus' name and there is power. God wants to walk you through that. You just have to say yes to following after him. I'm going to continue reading these lyrics from this song for you. And, and I've modified these slightly again, and you'll see where I change these a little bit to make us line up a little bit with where we're trying to go today with this spiritual truth. It says, you don't see that you're perfect. You don't understand you're worth it. Or that beauty goes deeper than the surface. So to all people that are hurting, let Christ be your mirror. Don't you love that? Help you see a little bit clearer. The light shines within there's hope that's waiting for you in the dark. You should know you're beautiful just the way you are. See that when we allow Christ to be our mirror, when we don't allow the way that we see ourselves or the things that we're down upon ourselves, or even if we've been betrayed some way or someone hurt us or wounded us in some way, that it's not just about the way we see us, but if we allow Christ to be our mirror, if we see ourselves the way that he made us, that we are his masterpiece, that he created us, that we are that beautiful poem, that we are that tapestry that we made and slowly and surely begin to change the way that we see ourselves, that God loves you, that you are his masterpiece. 
You know, the interesting thing is that God doesn't love us all equally. I remember the first time I became a dad. It'll be 11 years ago this year, which doesn't seem possible. If you've got children, everyone tells you like how fast they grow up. And it's just one of those things in life until you experience it, you can't truly appreciate how fast it really goes. Because my oldest daughter, Braylon, she'll be 11, but in my mind, she's still like the two or three-year-old little toddler running around, right? It just goes so fast. But I remember the day she was born, how it just changed everything and the sense of pride and love that I had for her. And just remember in those moments, the first time they, they cut the cord and they put her in my arms and just, I've never thought that I could feel that kind of love for another human being ever again. It's just such an intense and overwhelming feeling of being like, this is just amazing. And this is my daughter. And somehow I made a, had a part in making this beautiful little thing. And it's just this amazing thing that happens in life and just, just loved her so much and didn't think that I could ever love another another like I did her, but then we had Lily. And now it's like, man, how, how can I love her as much? And that just, I love her too. And just, you know, we kept having children and we make girls. That's what we do. So we just kept having daughters and then just kept loving them. But the interesting thing is, is that I could love them equally, but here's the real truth is that I love every single one of them uniquely. And if you have multiple children, you probably know that feeling. You could love your kids equally, but many times we love them uniquely because of the way that they're gifted and the way that they're shaped and just that they're your children and you just love them and you love the things about them and there's just different things that because they're all created differently that you love them uniquely. And see, the same thing is true about our Heavenly Father, that God could love us all equally and probably does, but I really believe that God loves us all uniquely, that he loves us for the way that we made, that he didn't make us all the same. I mean, just think about it for a moment. God can do anything, right? I mean, can we just level there for a moment? God can do anything he wants. He could have done anything, set everything up any way he wanted. So can you imagine if God would have just made one cookie cutter and stamped us all out of it, right? Every single person looks the same. Every person same size say everything they look the same well hopefully there'd be a guy and a girl cookie cutters because that would be kind of weird but so maybe he's got two he's got a jack and a jill right so he makes two and we all don't look the same he made us all unique he gifted us all differently we're all shaped differently we're all wired differently we think different ways we see different things when we walk in the room based on the way that we're wired the way that we're shaped we feel differently we express our emotions differently that god made us all uniquely and because of the way that he made us unique Aren't you glad he didn't have one cookie cutter? That'd be really weird. Sounds like some really strange sci-fi movie. But he made us all uniquely, and he created you, and he created you special. And because of that, he loves you uniquely. And you're like, that's great, Brian, that he loves me uniquely, but I still want some guns and a six-pack, right? I want to look hot in my yoga pants. I don't even do yoga, but I want to look good in those yoga pants, right? Don't laugh at that. Anyway... What, who you are is what matters, that you are God's masterpiece. It's not about popularity. It's not about having more followers on social media. It's not living to some expectation that someone else puts on ourselves. It's not even about living up to our own expectations that many times we can't even live up to the ones, forget the ones other people put on us. How am I supposed to live up to the one that I have for myself? But you got to understand that who you are is what matters, that you are God's masterpiece. Ladies, there is nothing that is more beautiful and there's no beauty that shines brighter than Christ in your heart heart. And gentlemen, for you men, there is nothing more attractive than godly confidence, godly confidence, not confidence in yourself, but godly confidence born from inner spiritual character. 
And then some of you are still single and you're still in that pursuit for the relationship. And that's the thing that you've got to remember more than anything else, more than any physical appearance, more than any character trait or anything about yourself. It's Christ inside of you. That is what is most attractive. See, the amazing thing is I will have been married, and this is so hard for me to believe, 15 years this July. It'll be 15 years, a decade of half in marriage. And I, I think back to those years of, you know, when I was still single and so much of the insecurity that I still felt and so much of the baggage that I was still carrying of the physical shortfalls that I felt that I had and even the things that I just couldn't live up to. But the amazing thing is, is that when I met Christy, that she didn't love me because of all of the things that I had, but she loved me in spite of my faults and my failures. That she wasn't afraid to marry some scrawny stick pasty guy, but loved me in spite of all of those things. And I can honestly tell you now that we're almost 40. We've been married for 15 years. And if we can just be honest, if we're just talking about physical looks and physical attraction, I mean, for me especially, the best day is a physical appearance. They're behind us, right? I, I am never going to look like the hunk of a man I was when I was in my early 20s when Christy and I were married, right? I know that's far you come through, you guys looking, you're like, well, you know, not bad. But no, I, I just never will. I'll never get back to that place. I mean, it's, it's all downhill from here, right? And you guys, oh, this is a really encouraging message today, Brian. This is really, where is this going? But see, here's the thing. I have never loved Christy more. I have never loved her more than now in this moment. See, and even as we age and we get older, I'm going to be crazy attracted to some grandma who's going to be my wife because she is so attractive because of the Christ that is inside of her. Think about it. Someday we're going to be in our 80s. We're going to be all wrinkly, walking out in the park someday, right? Hopefully I have a couple of grandkids. We're trying to chase around and we're spoiling rotten for their, for our kids but I'm still going to love her like crazy. And if you've ever experienced that, it's not because it's not just about physical appearance, but it's about the Christ that is in inside of us. And I would like to think that when those 15 years ago, before we were married, that was something that was so attractive for both of us, not just the physical appearance, not just the way that we had met but honestly, that it was the Christ inside of us. It was the Christ inside of Christy and the way that she loved God and put him first that was so attractive to me. And I would like to think that it was the same thing for her, that it was not just, obviously, not Brad Pitt here, people, right? Just got to work with what you got. But it wasn't because of the physical looks or the things that I was able to do or a skill set, but it was because of Christ inside of me and me choosing to put God first. And I hope that encourages some of you today, maybe some of you who are still single or maybe some of you in your marriage and you feel like, man, can I still love that person? You got to get your relationship with Jesus and make it front and center. You've got to pursue him with all of your heart. Maybe you've been married for a while and that's begun to wane or it's not been as hot as it used to be. You've not been following after God and putting him at the center as much as you could have. See, don't worry about the physical looks and physical appearance. Put your effort into your relationship with God. That's the most beautiful, the most attractive. Guys, that's the most attractive thing you can do. Guys, you want to love on your wife today? Just put Christ at the first and the foremost, and I, be, I promise you, it'll become crazy attractive to her if you put Christ first in your life. You are God's masterpiece. Thanks, Garrett. So many times when we are going through difficult things or we're going through trials, I've spoken to a lot of people, and even recently, 
that many times people feel so distant from God when we're going through something difficult. And maybe it's something that lines up with this song that we're talking about today. And maybe this is something that's not an issue for you whatsoever, but maybe today you, you felt a little bit of that tugging at your heart because this is something that you can identify with. But as I've talked to people, something that I've come to recognize is that many times people feel like they can't hear God's voice or they feel distant from him. Or they can't seem to find the truth that they're seeking, that they need to know that God is there, that he's with them, that he loves them. And so many times what we've got to do is when we begin to hear that lie, then we're less than or that we're not worthy or that we can't do it or we can't achieve or whatever that is for you. Whatever that lie is that you start to believe, you've got to just stop believing it, stop thinking it, and then you've got to replace it with God's truth. And so if you feel distant from God, if you feel that you can't hear his voice, what you've got to do is just begin to quote and read God's scripture and find a promise that God has given us and begin to live there. And so today as we conclude, I just have a few that I want to share with you. And maybe this is as you hear some of these, you just need to jot this verse, this reference down and just begin to believe this or begin to memorize these words and just begin to speak them over and over in your life till you begin to believe it. That God loves you deeply. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. That before you even said yes to a relationship with you, that God loved you. God values you highly. 1 John 3, 1 through 2 says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that we, that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him, that God values us highly. And you can just begin to quote that and believe that, that we are his children. And because we are his children, he loves us and he values us. Just like earthly parents value their children, God values you. God provides for you fully. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That no matter what you're going, no matter what you're facing, no matter what the need is, you just need to start believing that. You just need to start living that scripture out. Just start quoting and believing it, that God, you are going to supply all my needs. Not because of who I am, not because I've got it all together, because of who you are. You said in your word that you are going to supply all of my needs. And finally, God planned you carefully. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says this, All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Not because of who I am, but because of Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and I love this, and it gave him great pleasure. That you weren't a mistake, that you weren't an accident, but that you were planned by God before the foundations of the earth, that he formed you, that he made you, that he created you. And so just begin to stand on those promises and believe today that you are accepted by Christ. Not because of what you do, not because of an appearance, not because of a character trait, not because you're good enough, but because you are accepted by Christ, that you are secure in Christ that you can trust and know the word tells us that he will always be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, that you can be secure in him. And that because of that, you are significant in Christ. You are significant that God made you, that you are his masterpiece. 
no matter how you see yourself, no matter the words that someone else said, no matter what you think about yourself, no matter if someone else did something to you or betrayed a trust or put you through something that you never deserved and never should have been exposed to, that beyond any of that, that you are God's masterpiece, his beautiful poem, his tapestry, his work of art, that he made you on purpose, for a purpose, not saved by works, but saved to do good works, that he has a plan for you, even beyond yourself. Some of you don't even see it and recognize it in yourself. See, sometimes we have to have that self-centered, self-Christ esteem in ourselves, not just so that we can see ourselves and feel good about ourselves, but some of you don't even see the way that God sees you and the way that he made you, that he's placed gifts inside of you, that he's put abilities and creativity inside of you. Maybe he's put some kind, every single one of us, God has wired us and created us in some way and you don't even see it yet, but if you could see yourself the way that God sees you, that he's placed something inside of you that is bigger than yourself. That he's placed something inside of you that you can use to point others toward Jesus, to help someone else along their path, someone else along their journey. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray today? Heavenly Father, we thank you God, I, I know sometimes this can be a difficult subject. It can feel a little heavy, but Lord, it's so worth diving into and just maybe even exposing our heart a little bit to you today. Maybe willing to expose some of those, those past hurts or some of those lies or some of those things that we felt about ourselves or some things that others have done to us, Lord, in recognition that, God, you have created us as your masterpiece. And so, Lord, I pray for every single person today who feels less than. God, they would begin to believe this truth, replace the lies, all the things that they've said about themselves, the things, the words that others have said, the things that other people have done, the things that they've said about themselves. God, they would begin to replace that lie with the truth that you created us, that you love us, that you were always there for us, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that you created us on purpose for a purpose, that we are your masterpiece. God, I just pray as we just speak that over and over again, that we just begin to get into some of our hearts and some to our spirits. And recognize that it's Christ in us, Lord. As we're gathered here today, I just want to give you the opportunity that if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and make no mistake that every single one of us need to do that. The Bible is clear that every single one of us will stand before God someday, and we have to give an account for our life. We have to give an account for everything that we did, but the most important of all and the greatest thing that you can do in this lifetime is not the actions, it's not the things you can do, but the greatest thing you can do is to surrender your life to Christ. And understand it's not about being a good person and doing a lot of nice things, but it's simply saying yes, saying I need a savior. I can't do this on my own. I can't live up to the expectations of myself. I can't live up to the expectations of others. It's simply understanding that we are all in need of a savior. And it's the good news because it's a free gift. You can't earn it. <laughs> we don't deserve it. It's simply because there's a God who loves you and has been pursuing you, who's been chasing you, who is madly in love with you and wants nothing more than to have relationship with you. If you would just be willing to open up your heart, surrender to him and say yes. Maybe you're here today and one time you said that prayer, you said yes to relationship with Jesus, but life began to happen and things 
just begin to drift away or maybe God didn't answer some prayers the way that you thought he should or you just begin to be hurt or you see people who were Christians living lives that didn't line up with the way you thought people should live for God and it just was hurtful and you're like, oh, I don't want to live my life that way like a hypocrite. Whatever the reason is, whatever reason you walked away, I want to give you the opportunity to come back to relationship and recommit that walk with him and say, God, I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own. I'm tired of walking away. God, I need you. I need to put you first in my life. I can't do this on my own. I'm so sorry for trying. I'm sorry for pushing you out, for walking away. God, I recognize that I am so in desperate need of you today. If that's you today, I want you to know that God is here with arms wide open. And just like that banner said when you walked in that door, welcome home without judgment, without anger. He's not angry at you. He loves you. So if that's you today in either one of those categories, if you want to say yes, maybe for the first time you want to recommit while everyone's head is bowed, if you would just slip your hand up now in this moment and say yes, include me in that prayer. Awesome. Anyone else? Okay, we're going to pray this prayer out loud together so that no one prays alone. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I believe in you. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer for those who made a decision to come to Christ today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.